verses 1 through 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. Verse number 1, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Key verse coming up here, verse number 4. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others." When we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable to, unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. That ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Let's pray if you would. Please, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this gathering this evening. Now, Father, I know good and well that it's not my words that makes the difference in the lives of people. I know it's your spirit. And so it is my prayer that your spirit would work in our hearts. Lord, I thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody here that knows Christ was confronted one day with this wonderful, glorious message. And I pray that you would use each of us here to be active in spreading this good news. I pray you'll take this message and challenge all of us. I pray, Lord God, that you'd make a difference in North Kansas City with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you ask the Lord to use you to make a difference with the gospel?
And I would ask you to pray with me that the Spirit of God would take and use my words tonight to challenge us to be faithful with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with me that the Spirit of God would use me in this way. Father, I thank you for the prayers of your people, and I pray that we would see fruit as a result of the ministry tonight, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I've asked the ushers if they would take and bring, uh, just hand out a tract to each one tonight. All right. I want to preach to you this evening on having a one-tracked mind. Now, understand how that word tracked is spelt, okay? It's not T-R-A-C-K, it's T-R-A-C-T. Having a one-tracked mind. And I would like to challenge each of us tonight with this concept of having a one-tract mind. So I don't want you to read the tract right now. Just take the tract and put it in your Bible in your lap right now. We'll give you a chance to look at that in a little bit. Not everybody has the same tract. I think you have different tracts. You'll be given different tracts, but they have messages, and it's the message we're interested in here. And so uh, having a one-tract mind. Does everybody have a tract? Everybody have a gospel tract? All right. I've got about three in my pocket right here. But um, having a one-tracked mind. Everybody have one? All right, very good. Well, we all know we have a responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't think I have to convince you of that. You've been in church long enough. You're in a good fundamental Baptist church. It's been preached to you who knows how many times. You probably know the verses, but just in case you might have slipped with some of the messages of those verses, let me give you uh, some of the verses that support this. Having a one-track mind. Um, first of all, we see here in the Scriptures in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations... Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is known as the what? The Great Commission. This is the Great Commission. We're all familiar with this. We know what the Bible says about this. Again, I'm preaching to the choir here. You know what I'm saying. You know what I notice in the Christian life? I know that in most cases, you know what we need is we don't need to be, our, our ears don't need to be tickled with all kind of newfangled stuff. We need to be reminded of some of the basic truths of the Christian life. Because you know why I find people failing over and over again? It's in the basics. It's the basics. And that's what we all need. We need the basics. Those need to be reinforced in our lives. Well, there's other verses, of course, here. Uh, did it go forward? I can't see there. I'm looking down. Yeah, okay. John chapter 15 and verse number 16. I have glasses and they, they see for, at a distance. If I had them on, I'd be able to see that thing on the back so I wouldn't be having to turn around. Look at this. The problem is, is when I put my glasses on, I can't see down here. So, you know, I don't want to do this all the whole time. So, uh, so anyway, I think I'm, it's, it's tracking pretty good with me here. But John 15, 16, one of my favorite verses. Ye have not chosen me. 
But I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. So important that we understand, still in harmony, Jesus Christ preaching to us, telling us the importance of bearing fruit. We have, he's chosen us to do this. This is our job. Christ is in us, and he is in us with the purpose of, so he can spread himself all across the world and work in us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, another verse here I think is important. You know this one, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Here's Jesus Christ. These are his parting words to his disciples. He's fiction to go off the scene. They want to know when the kingdom is coming. He's saying that's not important. Here's what you need to know. You should receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What you need to do is go back to Jerusalem. Wait for the Spirit of God to come upon you. And then go out there and tell the people what they need to know so that they can be saved. That's the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he's left you and I here. One of the reasons he's left you and I here on planet earth, so we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God's people said, now if you don't amen, I will, okay? Because uh, this is what God says. How important that we comprehend that we get this. And then the verse that we just read in Thessalonians, such a great verse. It says, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Think about those words. We are allowed of God. God permitted us to be put in trust with the gospel. Here is a sacred trust that God has placed upon the believer. He's entrusted us with the message that that people need to hear so that they can have eternal life. So they can be reunited to to God. So they can be redeemed. We have the message. God could have sent the angels. God could have done it a number of different ways. He could have written across the sky. But he chose to use believers. He's chose to use people just like you and just like me to share the gospel. And he put us in trust with this gospel message. And listen to what he says as a result. He says, even so we speak. Knowing that God has entrusted us with this gospel message, even so... This is the reason. Here is the basis for which we speak. And notice what it says about how we speak and the purpose. Not as pleasing men. Listen, if you're sharing the gospel to please men, you won't do it long. You're not sharing the gospel to please men. Listen, as I preach this message, I won't be here tomorrow. I won't be here the next day. When I'm saying here, I mean here. I won't be at your house. But God will be with you. And you're not doing this to please men. You're doing this to please God. Not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. You know, I am of this opinion that when God, the Holy Spirit, lays upon your heart, my heart, that impression to give the gospel, whether it be telling them with our mouth or handing them something and putting it in their hand, when we fail to do so, we've failed a test. Our hearts were tried and we failed the test. You know, the Spirit of God knows who needs the gospel. Now you say, well, Pastor, everybody needs the gospel. Yes, but the Spirit of God knows who's ready to receive the gospel. And there's times that you will look at a person, you will size them up and you'll say, I don't think that person wants to be saved. 
and you don't know. I remember one time I was in Chicago and I was visiting. And we were going, it was a cold winter day, and we were going knocking. It was this little double flat thing, you know, and uh, we I had a partner who was going. I was training him. I was a trainer. He was my partner. And we were knocking on doors, and nobody was home. We went all across the bottom, went up to the top, we were knocking on all the doors, nobody was home. And so I says, well, I guess we chose the wrong place today. And so I said, come on, uh, let's, throw, we go throw, let's try someplace else. So we got out in the parking lot, yeah, up comes this um, Yukon type of vehicle. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was that type of vehicle. And this big old fella, this big old burly fella, he must have been about six foot three, six foot four. He was probably about 250, 275. Big old fella, you know, and I was a college student, you know, scrawny little guy. <laughs> so I walked up to this guy and I said, hey, I'm Bob Graham and this is so-and-so. And before I even finished my line, you know, trying to introduce myself to him, he says, I'm not interested. I said, I don't want to talk about it. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, what would you like to talk about? I thought we might as well use a little levity, you know. <laughs> okay, you don't want to talk about that. What do you want to talk about? Then something happened. That big burly guy, who I was a little bit intimidated by, all of a sudden he began to weep. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, this is a little weird. He began to cry. And I said, mister, you must have a burden. He says, oh, yes, I do. He says, I've been married, I don't know how many years it was then, 20, 30 years, something like that. He says, I was married, he said, and my wife just divorced me. He says, and took away the kids. He says, all I got is this little apartment up here. He says, and all I have, he said, turn the kids against me, and I don't have anything. I says, can we go and talk with you about this? He said, sure, come on in. So he went up to his little, little apartment, and he was right. All he had was a little kitchen table. He had two chairs there and no couch. It was just kind of barren. He walked in there, my partner stood up because there wasn't a third chair. I sat down across the table from this man and I listened to his story. And I said, can I give you some hope? And I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with that man right there at that table. That dear man prayed and asked saved me. Folks, sometimes it's so deceiving. You think you know who wants to get saved and who doesn't. And the truth of the matter is we don't know who wants to get saved and who doesn't. And you can't tell by their outward appearance whether they're ready to be saved or not. You just have to be ready to speak to them. God's trying our hearts. God sends us to people. And God lays people in our hearts. And sometimes we try to size things up and try to reason it through with our minds. And we need to follow the leadership of the Spirit as opposed to trying to reason things through with our hearts and, our, I should say, our, our own minds. Because we're normally going to come out with a wrong opinion when we try to do these kind of things. So, it says here, but as we are allowed to God to put, be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. Now, in the text that we just read, there's several statements here, key statements. Verse number two says, we were bold. Again, this is communicating the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul here. He says in verse two, we were bold in our God. How important it is for you to be bold in your God. You don't have to be a super salesman to do this. You need to be bold in your God. Allow God to speak in you and through you to will and do of his good pleasure. He says, we are bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. What does that tell me? It tells me that people didn't like to hear what Paul said sometimes either. 
Verse number uh, 7, it says, And we were gentle among you. Just again, communicating to us the heartbeat of the apostle, showing how he approached. There was a boldness that he went about preaching the gospel. But there was a gentleness with which he approached people at the same time. Verse number 8 says, We were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. You know, folks, as we are used of God and God, we work in cooperation with the Spirit of God. We're giving ourselves to this work. The Apostle Paul, you read the epistles, you read Acts, and you see the Apostle Paul gave of his heart, put himself in peril on many occasions. You read 1 Corinthians and see the many different situations that Paul placed himself in. And over again, after experiencing those situations, went right back giving the gospel to the people because of the fact he knew this is what they needed. He says in verse number 9, for laboring night and day, that tells you something about the earnestness that the apostle had in this very job of giving out the gospel. He says, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Verse 10 says, ye are witnesses and God also. That's pretty good when you can call God down as your witness. You saw it, dear Thessalonians. God also is our witness about what? How holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. How important it is that when you preach the gospel that your life supports the message. People need to hear the truth of God from a life that has some semblance of truth. We need to be an example of the things that we're telling folk. We stand for God. You don't represent yourself alone. You represent God. You are His ambassadors. You are His representatives on planet Earth. And we need to take that in a real manner. We're so often worried about how people think about us. How much more concerned that we worry about what people think about God in us? Holy, justly, unblameably, we behaved ourselves among you that believed. Verse 11 says, We exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. This tells us of the, the fatherly way, the parental type of heartbeat that the Apostle Paul had as he ministered to people. Verse 12 says, you received the word of God which ye heard of us and you received it and this is so good. He received it not as the word of men. It's not like you were doing what I said. You realize that the words that I was telling you were the very words of God. In truth they were God's words, not just my words. So this communicates to us the way that these people received, and the way that people, I should say, Paul approached the whole thing, as a truth, as I said, he goes, says, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Dear friend, when you give out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are giving out the truth of God. 
Now, I know we live in a day of religious pluralism, and I know everybody's wanting to take things and, and put it on the same level, but do you have to understand the truth of God is not on the same level as the Book of Mormon, and it's not on the same level as false doctrines that are being spread all across this world. It's just not. And believers, we need to understand that. And don't shy away from that. You're not a bigot because you're telling somebody the truth of God. And sometimes we back off until you think, well, I, I sound pretty narrow-minded. Listen, how many different ways are there to go to heaven? How many of there are different ways are there to be a child of God? There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And we need to realize that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's a narrow statement. It doesn't go down well with this world. But you have to understand, this is the truth of God. We need to tell people this. Now, we shouldn't be belligerent. We should be kind. We should be gentle. We should be fatherly. We should be considerate. People, whether they believe us or not, that's not the issue. The issue is that we need to give them the truth of God. And let God take that truth and burden their hearts with it. You are not responsible for them trusting Christ. You are responsible to give them the truth so they can, if they want to. And when we take this responsibility the right way, I believe it will really help us as we try to be faithful in this matter. So, the question is not what we're to be doing. I don't think any of you really have a question about that. I think if I sat right across from you and I said, do you believe you should share the gospel with people? I don't think any of you would tell me no. I think every single one of you, you've been in church any length of time, you're here on Sunday night, that's a little bit of a testimony of the fact that you have a little bit more Christianity than just a, you know, a Sunday morning goer, so to speak. I think every one of you would say, yes, I, I, I know, I get it, I, I know, that's my responsibility. So the question is not what we're to be doing, but rather how might we get it done? So, I say, having a one-track mind. I say use tracts. Now, by the way, I'm saying having a one-track mind. I'm not saying this is the only way to get the gospel out. I'm saying this is a way, okay? This is not the only way. It's a way. I'm trying to give you a vehicle by which you can take the gospel and get it out to people. Having a one-track mind. Well, Pastor, why use tracts? Let me give you some reasons why, okay? Number one, Tracks explain the gospel clearly and simply. One of the reasons people don't like to give the gospel out is because they're afraid they don't know what to say. I'm not sure I know exactly what to say. What if they ask me something that I'm not ready to answer them with? And sometimes people get hung up on that. And as a result, they don't want to look foolish in front of people. They don't want to be asked a question. Tracks can do this in a very effective way. So tracks explain the gospel clearly. You can take a track and you can take it and go out with a good track and you can simply take it and use it as a guide yourself. You can read the track and you can look at the person and read the next thing and look at the person and allow the track to guide you through the plan of salvation if you don't feel like you're capable or if you're ready yet to do that on your own. So tracks are a great tool for that. Okay, 
Tracts contain portions of God's word which he promised would not return void. You want to make sure that you use good tracts. Tracts that have the scripture in them. Okay, some tracts are, you know, a lot of words and stories and they don't have a lot of... You want the Bible. You want the Bible because there's a blessing with the Bible. God blesses his word. And so you want them to have the word of God being given to them. They need to be pointed to the word so that they can get the word from your track. Uh, another reason is tracks stick to the point. They don't get sidetracked. <laughs> they don't get sidetracked. How many of you ever talked to somebody about the gospel and then they ask you some off-the-wall question? How many of you have experienced that? Okay. And, and that's, by the way, that's the nature of people who don't want to accept the truth. They want to get you off their case. So they'll ask you some crazy question like, um, did Adam have an evil? <laughs> What does that have to do with the gospel? But some people will chase that rabbit, and then they'll have another rabbit to chase after that. Listen, tracks don't do that. Tracks stick the message. They stay right on target, and they keep telling them what they need to hear. We have a tendency, we can have a tendency, to get sidetracked in our presentation of the gospel. Another reason is tracks can work 24 hours a day. I don't find most believers doing that, okay? But tracks can do that. You give somebody a track, and that track can work 24 hours a day. That person can take that track. They might decide at the midnight shift to take that track out of their pocket and read it at midnight. What are you doing at midnight? Most of you are sleeping. That's what I'm doing at midnight, okay? So that track can be working while I'm sleeping, you see. Uh, that track can, be, can find itself someplace that nobody would expect, and it works all the time. Why else? Well, because tracks can get inside homes and stay there. You can't. <laughs> You know, you give somebody a track, and quite often this is what happened. They'll say, oh, thanks. They'll put it in their pocket. They'll put it in their book. They'll put it in their purse. And then what happens? It goes home. If it's a nice, colorful tract, if it's a tract, it's a track attractive. If it's a tract that uh, is nicely done, a lot of times people won't throw it out if it's a well-done tract. And so what they'll do is they'll take it and stick it in their junk drawer. How many of you have a junk drawer? Okay, sure you do. All right. And what do you put in your junk drawer? Things that you're perhaps not ready to deal with right now, right? So you put it in your junk drawer. Some people take it and put it on the refrigerator. They'll put it in that little basket in the room someplace, you know. And it'll sit there for a while. But see, you can't do that. You go and you have the opportunity to present the gospel. And guess what? When your time's up, you're out of there. This track sticks around. It stays in the junk drawer. It stays on the refrigerator. It stays in that book. It becomes a bookmark, but it's available, and people quite often know where to find it or basically know where to look for it if they decide or if God the Spirit starts speaking to their heart about reading that track because of a particular need that would come up in their life. Tracks do this. Tracks can get inside homes and stay. You can't. Tracks can be read many times. Sometimes, you know, People will speak to me or you'll speak to somebody and you'll wish that they could say that again. You know, as you're trying to learn something, you know, they just went over that so quickly. I wish I had been able to sit down and, and ask them a few questions about it. You know what? Here's the beauty of a track. You give somebody a track and if there's some portion of the track that they don't understand, they can read it and they can reread it and they can get clarity 
by looking at it over and over again. Most of the time people won't ask you questions because they'll feel like they're foolish by asking you questions and they won't ask clarifying questions. But they can take that piece of paper, that track, and they can go over that reading that multiple times so that they can get clarity on some of the points that they might not understand. Tracks can do that. We don't always have the opportunity to do that. Tracks are portable. You can take them wherever you go. That's the beauty of a track. You know, it's nice if you could take your Bibles, but the truth of the matter is you don't walk every place with your Bible. It's just a little bit cumbersome. Now, we have phones, and our phones have the Bible in it, which is kind of nice. We can use those, and those are portable, but not everybody has them, and you don't always have your phone in certain situations, but you can take a track, put it in your pocket, and wherever you go, that track can go with you. They're portable. makes it real easy for you to use them. Again, what am I answering? What am I saying this a little bit? Because why use tracks? I'm trying to convince you that this is a good vehicle for you to use. Um, tracks can start a conversation. Again, you can get a track that has an, an interesting one-liner. I was in the, um, we went out for pizza today with several of our families after church this morning. And um, so we had three waitresses and after we got through, they, we had a bunch of people there. And so after we got through uh, with the meal, we were leaving and there was three waitresses. They were standing there by the cash register. And we had this little track that I gave out this morning. What we've been doing is we've been giving out different tracks every single week. So they're kind of building people's, um, I guess you can say their toolbox, their gospel toolbox. So we're giving out different tracks each week so folks have something different that they can actually go over and use. And, and so uh, this particular week we gave one that talked about the light. Okay, ah, here it is, right here. It says the light. And I said, uh, I went up to this waitress and I said, have you seen the light? And she says, no. I said, here. So I gave her the track, and the track says, the light. And I said, read that, and you can see the light. You can find the light. She says, okay, I will. And she, she took the track, and there was another girl over there, and I had another one. And I says, do you know what some of the most, seven of the most important things you need to understand are? She says, well, no. I said, well, here, here's a track that tells you seven of the most important things that you need to know. And so we gave those two girls a track. Yeah, there it is right there. There's the other one right there, okay? So... So you can take these tracks and they can actually be springboards for your conversation. And so you take the track, if you have a repertoire of several tracks that you like to use, use them as springboards and be able to start the conversation. Because sometimes we don't know what to say to people to get the conversation started. Tracks do a wonderful job at that. Um, tracks give their message when the person is ready to receive it. I told you about the junk drawer. All right? A lot of times people take things and put it in the junk drawer because they don't have an immediate need for the message. They don't see their need. Let's put it that way. So they take it and they stick this track someplace because they don't know that they have the need right now. But if they know where it is, it might be at midnight. It might be when their child is in the hospital, tossing back and forth with life or death situation. It might be when they just had a financial reversal. It might be when they had a divorce or a split up. Some crisis in life comes along, and all of a sudden, where is that piece of paper that that lady gave me? Where is that piece of paper, the light? What is this light thing all about? What are these seven most important things that I need to know? What are these seven things? Because right now my life's falling apart, and I need to know what I'm missing. And they will go back to that track because you gave them that track one day. Well, tracks often get read more by more than one person, which is kind of neat. That person might take the track, put it in their junk drawer. Their kids come, open the junk drawer. What's this? 
Heaven's Gate? What in the world is that all about? And so their kids take the track and their kids read the track. Maybe grandma comes and visits and grandma reads the track. Maybe they have friends come over and their friends read the track. Folks, what I'm saying is, is that track can minister to many, many people. You gave it to that person. You didn't get to see all the other people that would pick this track up, but they did. And so lots of different people can read the track. Another reason is tracks don't get tired, they don't get afraid, and they don't get discouraged. I could take this piece of paper and stick it here. And as long as the wind doesn't blow or somebody doesn't take this pulpit away, it'll stay there. Doesn't get tired. He doesn't complain. Oh, I'm tired. I need to go to bed. That track won't do that. It won't complain. It won't get discouraged. It won't all of a sudden just start crumbling because it's, it won't cry. It won't do any of those things, you see. It'll just do its job. It's got a message. And message will do its job. And you say, why do you say that? It's kind of silly. A piece of paper. No, I'm talking about us. We get tired. We get discouraged. We become afraid. We're, our hearts can be filled with fear. But that piece, of paper, that piece of paper will not. And so you can use that piece of paper to your advantage when you're tired. And when you're perhaps not up to par spiritually, that piece of paper might do what you wish you could. Give it to somebody who you think might need it. Tracks are not expensive. It's amazing you can take these things. I order the different kinds right now as we're going through a bunch of different kinds. Most of the time, I will get 100 tracks that, I will, that I'll take and I'll order. I'll get our name of our church printed on the back so it looks nice. So, you know, the stamp on the back isn't this way and that way and this way. You know, so that it looks presentable. And uh, $10 or something like that, 14 cents a piece. We can give that track. 14 cents is a pretty small investment. If somebody trusts Christ and becomes a child of God for all eternity, wouldn't you say 14 cents would be a pretty good investment? Yes, yeah, so Pastor, you know, that not everybody reads it. Okay, how about $14? Wouldn't that be a good investment? I mean, you think about it. What an investment we can make just by a simple piece of paper. They're not expensive. We can use them. In other words, there shouldn't be an excuse. And I believe that truth of the matter is your church will give you as many as you want to take. I saw a track rack when I came in out there. It's just filled with different tracks. I bet you that nobody would holler at you if you walked by that track rack out there and took about five, ten of those things and put them in your pocket. And I don't think anybody would say, what are you doing with those? I think the church would rejoice. The pastor and all the, the folks here would rejoice if somebody took and put tracks in their pockets with the intent to go out and give them to somebody. And tracks are proven to work with many that have been saved. They've been proven to work, folks. Now, I'll never forget a testimony. We had a lady in our church. She's since gone to be with the Lord. Her name is Beulah. And Beulah was a faithful lady. She loved the Lord, and she would talk to people about Christ. And uh, she would often give out tracts. And uh, Beulah gave a tract to a lady. And that lady was not very responsive when she gave the track to her. But the lady did exactly what I was talking to just a few moments ago. She took that track and she put it in that junk drawer back at her home. And she had that track for a long time. Eleven years later, that lady had a crisis. She took that tract out and she read that track from beginning to end and she trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And she, evidently Beulah had put in her name or something down on that particular track. And that lady called Beulah up and said, I just want you to know that that track that you gave me, she said, I read it and I got saved. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I just wonder how many folks, if we gave tracks out on a regular basis, I wonder how many people we would meet in heaven that we thought perhaps had no interest whatsoever in the gospel. But the time came when they were interested and we left them with the message that pointed them to Jesus Christ and showed them how they could be saved and they have eternal life because they finally did what that piece of paper said. Sometimes people can't get back to you. They can't get back to you. I think God keeps good records in heaven. In the case they're wondering, I wonder who that person was. God, I'll tell you exactly who it was. They'll be here in a few days. (laughs) You know, and then you arrive on the scene in heaven and you are greeted by people that you had no earthly idea that they finally accepted Christ. Have you ever heard the Frank Jenner story? Frank Jenner was a faithful witness in Sydney, Australia. Frank Jenner got saved as a, as a serviceman, and Frank Jenner decided to give his life to telling people about Christ. He lived a pretty wicked life as a young man, but when he finally got saved, what he did was he promised that he would give the gospel to ten people every single day for the rest of his life. And so Frank Jenner faithfully would go out to, I forgot the name of the street, um, But he'd go out to a street and he would catch people and he would ask them about their soul's need. And Frank Jenner would witness to those people, 10 people a day. You know, over the course of years when Frank Jenner ended up the people, the the, the years that he went out, he witnessed to over 250,000 people in the course of the years that he did that. Uh, A missionary, a pastor I should say in London, found out that a number of folks that he asked about their salvation pointed to this little old man in Sydney, Australia that came up to them one day and provoked their thinking and asked them about whether they were going to go to heaven or not. And these people went back and they thought about what he said and some of them trusted Christ and became leaders in different mission organizations, pastors, evangelists, uh, missionaries, and such. And this pastor kept running across these people. So one day, this pastor was in Sydney, Australia, and he went and he visited. He found out, asked some questions, and found out where Frank Jenner was, found out he was in a hospital, and he was dying. He went and told Frank Jenner about the people all across the world that he was running into that are saved as a result of his testimony. Frank Jenner wept. He says, I never knew anybody got saved as a result of my witnessing to them. 250,000 people and he never saw anybody saved as a result of that. But they did get saved. Some of them did get saved. And as a result, Frank Jenner has fruit in heaven. Not just children, but grandchildren, if you would. You know what I'm talking about. I know God doesn't have grandchildren. He just has children. But people got saved who let other people get saved. And Frank has fruit in heaven because he was faithful to give out the word. Folks, this is what we hope to see in heaven. Beulah, 11 years later. We had a missionary. His name is Paul Loon. Paul uh, came to the States. He's from Burma. Faithful fellow. And um, he heard about our church. He had a man from Burma who came and moved to the Olathe area. Actually, it was just a little bit north of Olathe, if I'm correct. 
And, um, and so this fellow had visited our church, and he told Brother Paul about our church. And so Brother Paul, coming from Burma, didn't know anything about Kansas City area. He just showed up in Kansas City, and he said, I need to find this church. So he gets to Olathe, you know, and Olathe's pretty good size right now. Back then it was probably about 125,000. And so he gets to Olathe and he goes and he arrives at a gas station. He says, where is Olathe View Baptist Church? Well, you know, there's lots of churches in Olathe and there's, you can go to a lot of places before you find our place. We're not, we're not on the main drag. We're kind of on the back in the neighborhoods there. And then the guy at the gas station says, Olathe View Baptist Church. Oh, I know where it is. Some lady just came in, she gave me this tract. And this lady came in, and I, she went and got that tract, and there was the address, and he saw the address, and he showed up in our service on Wednesday night, and we got to meet Brother Paul, had him come back, and we've supported him now for years because somebody gave out a tract to a gas station attendant, and as a result, Brother Paul came to our church, and Brother Paul got saved. We went out and we give tracks out on the door. We send our young people out and they go through the neighborhoods and they put tracks on the doors and invitations to the church. And we put out lots and lots of these things. Well, several years ago, I guess maybe a couple, three years ago now, we had a lady come to our church. And we like to ask the people, you know, how did you hear about our church? You know, was it the internet? Was it, you know, personal invitation? What it was? She says, well, she says, funny thing. She says, I was out in my yard and I was raking my yard, and over by my bushes, I've been looking for a good church, and over by my bushes, I found this tract. And evidently what happened when we put the tract on the doorknob, it blew off the doorknob and it ended up in her bushes, and when she was raking her bushes, she found our tract and she came to church, and now that lady is a member of our church, and matter of fact, her mother joined our church also, and we just had lunch with her today, and her mother also. Folks, what I'm telling you is... It's, it would amaze you how God can use tracks to make a difference in the lives of people. Tracks do work. They do work. Now, don't worry about when they're going to work. Just know that they do work and use them because of the fact that they certainly can do the job that you need for them to do. Now, okay. So, given the many benefits of the gospel track, I submit to you the concept of having a one-track mind. Now, here's my challenge. I'm challenging you with them. Having a one-track mind. I don't think any of you would argue with me that the tract has great potential. And again, I'm presenting to you a means, not an only means. This is a means for you to be a faithful witness. You all agree. If I asked you, I'm sure you would agree that this is our Christian responsibility. The gospel, we're put in trust with the gospel. This is our responsibility before God. I don't think there's any argument about that. We don't have to, we don't have to wonder about that in our Christian life. We know this is so for us. So, given the benefits of the gospel tract, I submit to you the concept of having a one-track mind. Now, let me explain to you what a one-track mind is. I, this is what I'm defining. This is how I define it to my people. This is how I define it to the young people in chapel as a one-track mind. A one-track mind is in the next seven days, I will commit myself to give one tract to at least one person and then personally pray for them by name at least seven times. This is how we define a one-tracked mind. I will give at least one tract 
This week, in the next seven days, I will give at least one tract to one person. And then I will get their name. Now, folks, I'm not interested in just, you know, doing this in a heartless manner. We read about how Paul went about giving the gospel. His heart was in it. He was interested in the people. He was deeply interested in the people. But I submit to you, okay, demonstrate your interest in the people by finding out their name. Find out who these people are. I gave the tract this morning to Erica. I've given tracts to Nareda. I've given tracts to Maria. I've given tracts to, to um, who's the guy in the, on the corner there? To Daryl. Different ones we've given tracts to. Ask them their name. Introduce yourself. My name's Bob. What's your name? I'm Daryl. Daryl, I want to give you something I'd like for you to read. And I give this to Daryl. And I said, Daryl, I'm going to be praying for you. And I've been praying for Daryl. Pray for them by name. Ask them their name. Tell me your name. I'm Daryl. Daryl, I'm going to pray for you. I'm Maria. Maria, I'm going to be praying for you. You say, what do you pray? You pray that the Spirit of God opens their heart, gets their heart ready to receive the truth. You pray that God will bring circumstances into their life to prepare their heart. You know, sometimes when we're going along and everything's just hunky-dory, we don't think about God. But a crisis comes into our life, and all of a sudden we have interest about who God is and what God's doing. Pray that God will open that door. Now, I'm not saying that it's just seven times. If God lays upon your heart to pray for that person 14 times or 21 times, you pray for them as long as the Spirit of God lays them upon your heart. But I'm saying just give it at least seven. At least seven times... Bring their name personally before the throne of grace and ask the Spirit of God to work through that tract and allow that tract to minister to their hearts. I believe the Spirit of God will lay upon your heart the people that you need to continue to pray for. But at least pray for them to start with and give them that tract and do that just once a week. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you to do something just this week. My challenge to you as a church, my challenge to our church, my challenge to your young people just a few weeks ago was to continue to do this. Seven days after this day is uh, another Lord's Day. Do it again. There's plenty of tracks out there on the track rack. There's lots of things that you can avail yourself that you can take advantage of this. We've been put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. How can we make this work? Well, make sure that you read the tract, that you're well acquainted with its message. I think this will help you to be, I think this will help you to be effective as far as this is concerned. Take the tract that you're given out and read them. You might have some favorite tracts, great. Know what their message is. You'll find out that some people, this tract is effective. Some other people, this tract is effective. If you know the different messages of your tracts, you can give out tracts in a very appropriate manner. I deal with them. I've been a police chaplain for a number of years now. And when people lose their loved ones for various reasons, I put something in their hands that they can read. In most cases, they're in shock because of what just took place when your 16-year-old son is hanging in your backyard because he took his own life, he's not really ready or prepared at that moment in his life to hear. 
because he can't hear right now. His mind is just so cluttered with what just happened to him. When a man loses his wife, who he's been with for 40 some odd years, you know, it's not time to give that man. He doesn't comprehend. He can't comprehend. His mind is not able at that time. But you can put things in these people's hands. So when they do get to the alone time and they can think, that they can begin to think about who God is, who Jesus Christ is, and what he can do for them. And you don't always know what, but sometimes you do know. Sometimes you do know what conditions a person has just gone through. And so you can select the track that has a message that's apropos for that person and give that message, but know what your track says before you give it out. Keep your one track with you so that you're ready to give it away. How many times do we go out and we go, oh, I don't have my track. Well, if we get in the habit of just keeping it with us so that we can give it out. Now, I know this is a little bit of a problem. My wife and I were just talking about this the other day. Because, you know, sometimes you don't want to put it in your back pocket. And you sit on it, you know, and it gets moist and it gets crinkled. And you give this person a soiled piece of paper. Well, that doesn't look really good. Find some way that you can keep them. Ladies, you have a purse perhaps a little bit more successful than some of the guys. You know, when you put it in a pocket, put it in your glove compartment in your car, someplace that you can easily take it. But find a way to keep it looking good and make sure the tractor is given looking in good shape. But nonetheless, have it handy. Keep your one track with you so you can be ready to give it away. Prepare something meaningful to say as you give your track. Don't ask if they would like one. Would you like one of these? You know what they're going to tell you? No. <laughs> That's what they're going to tell you. No. How about this? Did you get one of these yet? Has anybody given you one of these? Well, no. What is that? Okay, just give it to them. You see, think about things that you can say. Um, the other day we had a couple that joined, I shouldn't say joined, but came by our church. And um, they had a grandchild that just passed away back a couple, three months ago. And they had a little track that was written on this little grandchild's life. She'd lived for three months from December to, I think she died this past December. But they had a track written with a good, clear gospel presentation, the little girl's picture right on the front there. The little girl's name was Evangeline. Isn't that something? Lived three months. Her name was Evangeline. And now Evangeline is an evangelist as her grandparents are giving that tract out to different ones because of the tragedy in their life they are looking at this as God using this you know I, I saw a guy we were in St. Louis one time we were at a, a counseling conference and this right was it right behind us or right in front of us there was this lady and she said let me tell you my testimony and she took out a tract with her picture on it and it was a testimony of her life and how she got saved and I thought wow that's powerful you know, people can't argue with your testimony. Maybe I would challenge you to take some time and write your testimony and get it printed and make it look nice and make it look effective. You know, when you give somebody the story of your life, they can't argue with that. And if you take your life story and take scripture and put that all throughout that tract about how God saved you and what God did in your life, it's very difficult for a person to argue with your personal testimony. Do things to make it personal. Again, we want to see people saved. We want to see people in eternity. This is just means that we can do this. So ask questions that will kind of whet their appetites. And again, these tracks many times have questions on the very front of them to help you with this. Speak with the person face to face. I try to tell our kids this. When our kids were little, they used to sell candy. 
Who's ever sold candy before? Not you. None of you? Okay. Some of you are going, ah, we did that, yeah. And I used to tell our kids, now look, when you sell candy, don't sell it like this. You'll get turned down every time. You know why? Because adults don't want to look you in the eye. And they don't want to look some little kid in the eye when it comes to selling something. I told my kids, you want to get selling that candy? Go right up in front of them and stand up and look in their eyes and say, would you buy this bar candy from me? I don't want to tell you the percentage went way up. I had some of our kids were shy, and they would do this. You want to buy a bar candy from me? And if they didn't have to look at you, they just passed you by, didn't think anything of it. Now, what am I telling you? I'm saying when you're giving out a track, make eye contact. You look at these people. Let them see the compassion. Let them see the concern. Let them see the, 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 what you feel for them as a person. Listen, here's a message that I really believe that will be a help to you. Would you read this when you get a chance? Look at them in the eye. Make eye contact. Again, you're introducing yourself. You're trying to get their name because you want to pray for them. Make this a personal thing. I know it's really easy to go into Walmart and take tracks and put them on the bathroom and just kind of run out of there and say, I witnessed today. And perhaps that might work. I'm sure somebody might pick one up if the janitor doesn't get there first. You know what I mean? And they might read that track. That's great. But I will tell you, you greatly increase the effectiveness of your presentation when you look at that person in the eye, get their name, tell them your name, and Let them see the sincerity in your heart for the message that you're trying to deliver to their soul. So make it personal, as personal as you possibly can. And write down their names so that you can listen. After a while, you start accumulating names. I made a little chart. In the chart, I have the date, the time that I, the person I talked to, the date that I talked to them. And I have little check marks across how many times that I prayed for them to make sure that I'm praying for those folks at least seven times. And then I have on the right-hand side a story of what happened and when I gave them that track. Maybe it was a waitress in uh, Cracker Barrel, or maybe it was, uh, you know, the street cross, the crossing guard over there at the Lone Elementary School. You know, and I put down the situation so that I can recall the situation with that particular person. And my list is growing. And I want to tell you something. If I wasn't writing this thing down, I would not remember I simply would not remember. So have a means of writing it down. Because one of these days, one of those people is going to get saved. And you're going to be able to look back to those notes that you took. And you're going to say, hey, you know, back on, uh, on March 14th, I gave that person a track. I spoke to them. Yeah, I have it written down right here. I spoke to them at Walmart where we were in the line. And we were just talking because, you know, we were just waiting. So I just cracked up the conversation and I gave them a track. And, and that's what I taught. And they got saved. You know, I, I noticed this. You notice, I, I'm looking at people, and I've watched this, is when I say this and I tell about real-life people who get saved and how they get saved, I see smiles on your faces because I see that every one of you want this in your heart. Every single one of you know you should be a witness. Every single one of you who are born-again believers know that nothing would thrill your heart more than to see somebody come to a saving relationship with Christ. And so when you hear stories of real people getting saved, it lightens up your eyes. Your eyes are brighter because that's precisely what you in your heart long to do. I'm just challenging you to do it. I'm challenging you to do it. We can sit here all day and say, oh, we want to see people saved. Oh, we want to see people saved. Oh, I hope this happens. You can hope and hope and hope. But if you never put action to your hope, if you never take responsible action with the truth, you will be here two, four, ten years hoping the same things and seeing a fruitless Christian life. 
You don't want to face the Lord empty-handed. You don't want to just bask on yesteryear's blessings and say, oh, you know what? 20 years ago, I used to do this all the time. But what about now? God still left you on planet Earth. You're still here now. You still have the truth now. You still have responsibility now. Because you did it, because you did it a long time ago, because you did it lots a long time ago, doesn't make you, doesn't take away your responsibility now. Doesn't take away my responsibility. The beauty of a one-track mind, I think I've shared those with you already. Every one of us can do this. Every one of you can do this. Easter's coming. I've got about a half a dozen Easter tracks to give out to our people. Easter's coming. Easter is one of the main holidays where people begin. More people come to church around Resurrection Day than any other holiday in the entire year. We have things to lead up to it. People, we've already had Fat Tuesday down in Louisiana, okay? They've already given up stuff for Lent. So they already got some kind of a quasi-pseudo-spiritual mentality about some things. Give them some messages about the resurrection. Start telling them about what Jesus Christ did. Start sowing. April 21st is Easter. You've got three weeks ahead of you. You can be taking, actually four, you can be taking Easter tracks and take this and begin sowing in the lives of people about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it was all about. Use holidays. Christmas, the birth of Christ, Easter, the, the birth, death, burial, resurrection. Use holidays in certain times of the year where you can share with people truths that kind of will come naturally to that time of year. Just listen, folks, I've got hundreds of tracks with all kinds of messages. Very well done. People thoughtfully put together some thoughts that make it very appropriate for various different times of the year. They're available. I saw a whole plethora of, of tracks out there on your track rack. For lots of different situations. I saw one out there for if somebody's, you know, something had these men hunting things, you know. I saw a really nice track with a guy who was a hunter out there. Uh, lots of different tracks and opportunities that you can give these things out for. I'm winding down. The beauty of a one-track mind. You'll be giving someone the truth that can change their life. You need to kind of park there. You need to just have the faith that this can change someone's eternal destiny. God can use that piece of paper to do that. We have to remind ourselves of this, folks. We are so performance, we're so, we're so um, success-oriented. Sometimes we don't realize that sometimes we have to just be patient in due season. We will reap if we faint not. We don't know when the due season is. So let's be faithful as we wait for God to bring the due season about. And as you develop this habit, your life will be changed. I guarantee you, if you begin taking these tracks and you begin giving these tracks out personally, in the next seven days, if you earnestly look and ask the Spirit of God in the course of the next seven days, Lord, who should I give this track to? I want you to take that tract out that I just gave you, if you would, please. I want you to look at it.
Here's what I want you to do. Not right now, but I want you to read this tract first. Go home tonight, tonight, and read that tract. Be familiar with the message of the tract in your hand. And then I want you to pray. God, who should I give this tract to? Ask God to give you a divine appointment with somebody somewhere. In the next seven days, carry this tract with you. Be thinking already of what you can say to introduce yourself to them and the tract to give to them. Be thinking of a couple things that you can say so that you can break the ice and present the truth. Make sure that you get their name so that you can pray for them personally. I want you to take that piece of paper and give that paper to somebody with this prospect. This will better equip you. You know, the fact that you have a lot of different tracks that you can make use of, I believe it will better equip you as a believer because there's lots of good messages that these tracks contain. You can give tracks for comfort. You can give tracks to help them even to grow in grace after they've been saved. You can give tracks to waitresses. Oh, let me put this in. Don't give a track to a waitress unless you leave a good tip. All right? <laughs> don't you give her a buck and a tract, all right? Don't, don't do that. You make sure if you give a tract to a waitress that you give her a good tip. Nothing will offend somebody more for you to sit there preaching Jesus to them and you just gave them a, a cheap uh, tip. Be mindful of this. This is part of our testimony. If we're going to do this effectively, let's make sure that we keep this in mind. But I believe this can change your heart and I believe collectively the church will be fulfilling the Great Commission as they take this to heart. I don't know who will be the custodian of this kind of thing. I trust that somebody will take the burden for it. But somebody will. As far as a pastor, I've taken the burden for it at our church. I'm ordering the tracks. I'm taking over the tracks. What we do is on our bulletin board in the church, when you walk in, you see all the different dates since the time that we began this, and you have the different tracks that we had all over the bulletin board of the different tracks that we've already taken and given out. And the services... I'm coming to people and I'm saying, okay, who gave a tract out this week? Tell me the story. At first it was a little slow. I gave my story, my wife gave her story, you know, maybe another person gave their story. Well, here's the neat thing. As the weeks have gone by, more and more people are giving us their testimonies. More and more people are saying, you know, I know I needed to do this, and, and, and I was f afraid, you know, and, and my little girl, my little girl, she runs up to this person, and she just hands it the track to them, and she taught nothing of it, and it convicted my heart, and I thought, this little girl, she's what, five years old, little Elizabeth, uh, this little girl, she gives this thing out without any thought of it, and I'm convicted by my little girl's boldness, and we're starting to hear testimonies where 
people are breaking the ice with their own fears. And they're beginning to give those tracks. We had a lady, she gave a testimony the other night. She says, and I was sitting in the Walmart line, and I'm sitting there waiting, and it was a slow line. And this lady's talking to me and talking to me and talking to me. And I'm thinking, oh, my, she just keeps talking. And all of a sudden she says, oh, oh, this must be the person I'm supposed to give the track to. And then she reaches in her purse and she takes the track out and she gives the track to the lady. And it's kind of like, lights went on. I'm supposed to give this track on. I'm sitting here enduring this lady's conversation. Here, God gave me somebody that's talking to me. I'm not talking to them. But she gave her a tract. And folks, this is beginning to happen with different people in our church. And we're beginning to see the excitement. We're beginning to see the enthusiasm about giving the gospel out. And this is what I hope for you. I hope that you can experience some of the same thing. Because like I said, nothing lightens up a believer's life like seeing new life. I mean, we see little babies born, we're all ooh and ah, and we're all celebrating with the parents. But when we see new people come to Christ, we have that same enthusiasm when we see new birth. When people come to Jesus Christ as their Savior, that excites us as believers. And well, it should. It does. And then God will be pleased when we do. But look at that picture. How many remember what the first picture showed? Somebody handing out a tract. Folks, one of the sweetest pictures to me is this picture. When you hand out a track or somebody hands out a track and somebody's sitting down by themselves and they're reading the message of that track. We've had car washes in the past. We went out and charged. We had to sponsor the car wash and we raised lots of money in these car washes. But you wear out the community after a while, and when you're going back to them, always asking for the support for the car wash. And you kind of know what that is with fundraisers, Christian schools, and all that kind of stuff. So I said last year, okay, we're having a free car wash. Free, free, free. We're washing all the cars in the community that come to get their car wash. We're not charging anybody anything. I told the Walmart manager, he says, you're not charging them at all? I said, no, I don't get it. I said, we just want to serve the people. Well, what's this for? I says, we're just trying to serve the people. He said, that's really cool. I like this. Sure, you can have our Walmart parking lot. You can do that at Walmart. That'd be great. We went to the garden department. And this lady, you can tell she was real skeptical. She's sitting there giving me the, you know, the interrogation, you know. What are you doing this for? And well, what's this, what's where the funds going to go to? I said, there's no funds. No funds. Well, how are you getting the money? I says, we're paying for it. You mean you're not asking for money? I says, no. I says, if people give us donations, we will not accept a dime. On our sign it says, no donations accepted. Absolutely free. And all of a sudden you could just see her whole countenance soften. She says, now I like that. But here was the neat thing. Is every person that we whose car we washed. We gave a tract. And one of the neatest things is when you see a mother reading the tract, 
to her children who were in the back seat and reading the message in that track to those children while she's getting her car washed or waiting to get her car washed. That's what that picture looks like to me. Somebody is listening to, is reading the truth. I can close with this illustration here. I went to high school down in the Florida Keys. I played football, basketball, and track. And um, we played a school. We were public school, but we went to Westminster Christian School in Miami, Florida. And we played them in basketball. I was on the basketball team. We were in the locker room of Westminster Christian School. We were getting dressed, and one of the guys from the Westminster Christian basketball team came in. Our locker room, okay, we're the visiting team with a track. And he says, here, I want you to read this. Now as a smart aleck, all my team members are looking at me like, what is he going to do with this thing? I wasn't saved. I was just a smart aleck, high school kid. I said, I want that. He says, well, here, read it anyway. I said, I can't read. And all the guys, ah, ha, 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 ha. The guy took his track, and he walked out of the locker room. The ha-has stopped, but I never forgot the courage of that teenager to walk into an opponent's team to give a track to one of the basketball players on the other team. I got saved about two years later. You know what that track was? It was a pebble in my shoe. How many of you ever got a pebble in your shoe? It won't kill you, but it sure does bug you. It bugs you to the point that you feel like you've got to do something about it. And the fact that that young man one day put a tract in my hand, and even though I turned him down, his courage and the sincerity of his heart to try to give me that tract was something I never forgot. Two years later, I was saved. I've been telling that story for over 40 years because of what that young man did with a piece of paper called a gospel track. Now, folks, I trust that you'll put pebbles in shoes this week. Something that makes a person uncomfortable enough that they got to do something about this pebble in their shoe. And hopefully it will provoke them to think about the message that God has given Jesus Christ died to save their soul. So I challenge you, Eagle Heights Baptist Church, to have a one-tracked mind. One-tracked mind. I trust that somebody will become an administrator somehow, or you just become your own administrator if nobody else takes the burden. And you begin carrying tracts with you, and you ask God who this tract belongs to, and you be faithful. And by the way, I don't think you're going to mess up if you give it to somebody else. Somebody doesn't know the Lord, they can benefit by the message of this tract.
But by the grace of God, let us as believers be faithful to our calling of God. God's left us here with the message. While we're here on planet Earth, we're the ones who are responsible. We're put in trust with the gospel. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men. Don't do this to please me. Don't do this to please anybody. Do this to please God who is trying your hearts. Let's pray.